0: as we uh, as we move into the summer months i'm thinking about uh what the lord is doing here in tessalonica baptist and also um, around the world and so one of the things as i i'm encouraged by every time i i go away i come back uh, with a sense of uh one being tired but two just being overwhelmed and so Uh, Today, I was thinking about giving a a long report about uh, Hong Kong and Japan. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just give you a taste because I was thinking about this. Uh, This is a special Sunday. And this Sunday, uh, do you know what this Sunday is? Anybody know what this Sunday is? I'm glad I didn't do it. Because this And I thought, okay, I need to really uh, teach this well. Uh, Because as we are talking about beholding and adoring, um, this Sunday is a very, very special Sunday. And I don't want you to forget it. So I thought I'm going to lead you into an understanding. So when you leave here today, you'll come away hopefully with a greater understanding of who God is and what God is doing. So to behold Him and adore Him that this is the Lord of all the nations. And not just the nations, he's the Lord of everything in all those nations. He's the Lord of the universe. He's the God of all the earth. But this is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is a very, very special Sunday because uh, you know what takes place with the word Pentecost. Cost. The word penta means 50 and cost means to count. This is the 50th day after the crucifixion, the resurrection of Christ. But there's some symbolism with the numbers 50 and 40 and 10 in the scriptures. But 50 in particular has to do with the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee uh, was a festival every 50 years when Israel would go through uh seven year seven times seven uh forty nine and then that fiftieth year was the year of redemption, the year of release. The festival, the fiftieth day, then in the footnote again to explain that faith was a harvest of Thanksgiving festival occurring fifty days after the Passover. And so the Passover, the fact that forgiveness was yours, that not only would you be forgiven and But this idea of the year of jubilee is that there would be a release. This year of jubilee, coming out of Leviticus 25, it says, You shall thus consecrate the 50th year and proclaim a release through the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his own property, and each of you shall return to his family. Slaves, no more debt. No more prison. The year of jubilee means everything has been canceled out totally. And it's a refreshing start. And so it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat the crops out of the field. And on this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his own property. The idea that the 50th year was the release of all debt... There's a release of sin. It means fresh start. Well, on the 50th day is the day that the church was born. This is the birthday of the church. This is the Pentecost Sunday, where this Sunday is the Sunday on the 50th day when the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles after Jesus had ascended 10 days prior. And he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and so the word Pentecost on the 50th day means this is the time that people will be released, restored, and a time to rejoice. This is a great, a great day. So I thought I better make sure you guys uh, are with me in this. And so to understand that this is the church's birthday, but without Pentecost, but without Pentecost, there would be no, there would be no church Without Pentecost, you would have not the work of the Holy Spirit to help us understand the Scriptures. Without Pentecost, you wouldn't understand what it would be, mean that you were called together in fellowship, that the unity that we would have would not because we agree, but because you've got the Holy Spirit. And the fact that you were brought into Christ and this person was brought into Christ, there's a unity in the church. Without Pentecost we wouldn't be able to enjoy what Christ did on the cross, that we would be totally forgiven for our sins. The person to the right of you, the person to the left of you, should no longer be seen in light of what they have done, but be seen in light of what he did. And in Pentecost, we would would not understand, without Pentecost, we couldn't have a a witness, because there would be no power of the resurrection without the power of the Spirit, And therefore, we could not experience the grace of the gospel. What Pentecost means is that the Spirit of God comes down to the church and applies what Christ did on the cross to the human heart. That all takes place in Pentecost. And so the Holy Spirit was essential back in Pentecost. What he did then, he still does today. And it's essential that we understand that Pentecost is the birthday of the church. And therefore, in the New Testament, you'll see Jesus as a resurrected Lord come out after, right before he left, he gave uh, the mission to the disciples, knowing that the Spirit of God would come, that this work of the Spirit would be continued. So Jesus, you know, says uh, that, he was authorized, to, and he spoke to his own, saying, All authority has been given unto me. All authority. He is now Lord of the nations. He is the Lord of the universe. All authority has been given unto me. And he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Very familiar verse, that of all the nations. Now, Jesus wants people to be learners, and he wants people to be learners in every corner of the world. In every nation, therefore, he not only has the authority, but he has the the given that authority for all of us to go to all the nations because he wants the nations to know everything about the gospel, but he says, making disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so that every disciple understands God is the Father, Jesus is the Savior, but the Holy Spirit is the holy comforter, the strength-empowering, enlightening uh, paraclete who's going to make all of this experience real for all of us. And therefore he says, go, therefore, and notice these, these verbs, is that you're authorized... Uh, to make, as you go and as you are going, the key word was make disciples. That's the emphasis of of the sentence. But as we teach them to observe how to follow Christ, how to learn to walk in the Spirit, this church is going to be born. But this going to all the nations was not just New Testament. It's Old Testament because from Isaiah on, God would say, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. We know there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And so that name is to be proclaimed among the nations. And therefore, as you think about this great commission that the church is born the idea that we're moving into missions and thinking about where where Chesterton and Baptist, we're going to celebrate our 200th. We're going to continue to do what God's been doing since Pentecost. But the idea I want you to get is this, that missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Reaching the lost is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of the church is worship. That everyone, every nation, would not just be reached, but they'd be reached in order to worship. And worshiping God, beholding God, that's why the the, the themes are about how great is our God. Behold and adore Him. And to understand that God is so good, so kind, that to understand that, that worship is what it's all about. And missions exist because worship doesn't exist. In the nations. The nations don't know how to worship. The nations don't know about the kindness of God. They don't know about the forgiveness. They don't know about the grace. They don't know about the gospel. And therefore, missions and worship go together. And so as we go into thinking about what I just did, I want to give you the background that this is Pentecost Sunday. And that spirit is going to lead me to go to Hong Kong to be a witness to those who, who are over there and watch what they're doing over there. But I want to give you this idea that, that there is something that God is doing in the church and through the church for the nations. And this has to do with this whole concept of what God is doing on earth for heaven's sake. Well, I mean for heaven, for <laughs> sake of heaven. But the idea that you're going to get into theology a deep theology, because what you understand about God is directly going to affect of what you do with people. Your concept of God, as Tozer said, is the most important thing about you. But if you don't understand much about the Lord, if you don't understand much about, you may understand church and organization and management and programs, but if you don't know the Lord, you're just going to ask people to come to the program. That's not the goal. Our goal is to get people back to worship, back to the restoration, back to that forgiveness, back to understanding how good he is. And therefore, everyone reads, according to C.S. Lewis, everyone reads and everyone hears things discussed. uh, (coughs) But if you do not listen to theology, that will not mean that you have no ideas about God. It will mean that you have a lot of wrong ones and bad, muddled, muddled and out-of-date ideas, he said in, in The Mere Christianity. The idea of how you think about God is uh, important because Carl Sagan, the, the, the sci- atheist scientist, would say, your God is too small for my universe. Proclaimed arrogantly. And I thought, if you ever run across... Someone like Carl Sagan in your work, in your neighborhood, here's my response your, respo- your universe is too small for my God. J.B. Phillips wrote a book, Your God is Too Small. And the idea of the smallness of God or the small conception of God, uh, your theology is too small, it's, and Phillips said, we shall never want to serve God in our real and our secret hearts if he looms in our subconscious minds as an arbitrary, as an arbitrary dictator or a spoil sport, or as one who, makes, who takes advantages of his position to make us poor mortals feel guilty and afraid. We have not only to be impressed by the size and the unlimited power of God, we have to be moved to genuine admiration, respect, and affection if we are ever going to worship him. This idea of moving in worship with the Lord that we go, um, we go into an understanding of, of, of our understanding of who God is. And if you go into... Um, the professional theologians, if you if you listen to the systematic theologians and you try to educate yourself to by, by going to seminary or whatever, the biblical theologians, what you what you can really get is some some heady, heady thoughts about God that really won't necessarily change your life. You can have a lot of information about God and no reformation of the Spirit. And therefore I wanted to break this down to a couple of things that if you talk to these and you read these scholarly works about the theologians, they say God works in two, two ways, the extraordinary ways and the ordinary ways. But the ways that God works, you can communicate some things about God and then there are things that you can't communicate things about God. There are incommunicable things, like God exists outside of time. Uh, you have a birthday. God doesn't. God exists outside of space and time. That's kind of hard to, hard to get our heads around, because we're finite creatures. Uh, God knows all things. That's hard to get a hold of. We we study and specialize in a certain thing, but God knows all things. And so there are certain things about God that are hard to get, uh, in our head, eternity is hard to get in our head. But time, we, we understand today, we understand today, but God understands more. So I'm going to add one more thing to to this, and, and my point I want you to get is this, that there are some things that are incommunicable, there are things that are uh, communicable, but here's the point. There are things that are incredible incredible, and they will cause you to become silent and ponder and think, the God we worship is too small in our minds. He's not small, but in our minds, He is small. And therefore, this incredible, this incredible idea I want to share with you as you get into this report of Hong Kong. I really want you to wrestle with this because this is going to rearrange your uh, neural network. (laughs) I'm going to change your brain today because this is a report a little bit about Hong Kong, but I don't want you to get hung up on Hong Kong. I want you to get hung up on the Lord. And so here's the idea. I went to uh, uh, visit the Wu's in Hong Kong, and here you'll see uh, this little circle At the top, there's a little round park uh, at the bottom of this building. But living in Hong Kong is what I want you to get a hold of as you think about what life is like and what God is doing in Hong Kong. Now, can you imagine that each of those buildings has 2,000 people in one unit? But that's not the wow. Here's the wow. Wow. The little park is on the right-hand side. Hong Kong has 7 million people. And these people living on that island live in 30, 40, uh, some taller high-rises, which I'll talk about in a minute. But if you go to this place, I want you to feel the being overwhelmed in the cities as the Wu's live in in Hong Kong and they work there, but row after row after row of apartment buildings. Imagine trying to live in a city where you have to take an elevator, and if there's an earthquake or fire, God forbid. But in this place, what I want you to understand is that there are people who are seeking life, seeking God, but they're doing it in a different world view. This is the Buddha, the famous Buddha, but you can see how small people are, how big he is. And the Buddha doesn't have ears. And he can't speak. This is an impersonal replica of something that they're looking for. There's something beyond the Buddha that is even more of a challenge for the Wu's. It's the whole concept of the Chinese government who's going to take over Hong Kong in 28 years. When you think about God at work in Hong Kong, you got to think about, and and there's some special things about Hong Kong I want you to point out. There are 10 cities in the world with the largest number of skyscrapers. Look at this. In Hong Kong, there are 1,391 skyscrapers. In New York, 773. Get that in your head. You get, you get the idea of, of wow, you got to be kidding. You think about this city, and then you think about the sprawling cities around the world that, that God is at work in each of the cities because here in Chesterland, we would forget because, like the Japanese proverb says, the frog in the well doesn't know the ocean. Not that I'm calling you guys frogs. Don't get that. The idea that we're very narrow, that we don't see. And if you don't see this, you won't be able to see how big God is, that God is at work in all these cities. And the major urban areas are throughout the world. And, and you'll see, uh, wherever you go throughout the world, sky, these skylines that God's um, given people to creativity to build, these incredible cities... Uh, and people live in a realm that you and I wouldn't even begin to fathom. What's life like there? What's life like in a city of 26 million people? And it's going to get worse. The largest cities in the world right now, Shanghai, China, 24 million people. Can you imagine living in 24 million in a city? And... And Beijing. Notice New York is not even in the top 10. And China's got uh, three. So Karachi, Istanbul, Dhaka, Tokyo. Watch Tokyo. Watch Tokyo, the greater area of Tokyo. In the year 2030, Tokyo, 37. I thought, good night. Imagine what's going to happen. And you, you've already seen some of these. These sites. Well, what's God doing in the world when you think about the growth of these countries and you think about missions? The top 10 countries again, China, India, USA, and Indonesia. God's at work in all of these countries. But when you think about Brazil, when you think about Egypt, Russia, Germany, uh, God is doing something. I hope you get a sense of being overwhelmed by. By the sheer numbers. uh, This is a population of the largest urban agglomeration worldwide in 2035, and Delhi, India, is leading by 2035. Okay. My question is this How is God going to work in these great cities? What I want you to know, what I want you to understand, and really pray about God giving you this wisdom is that God knows every single individual in every single corner of the earth. And at the same time, God is intimately acquainted with every single individual. Our God is so big that if all the world would cry out throughout all time and all prayers would hit the Lord at the same time, He would not miss one. The mercy of God would not be reduced. Our God is so great, so big, and what he's after is that there be disciples in every corner of the world that would worship this great Savior who now sits on the throne of God, who's brought salvation to the ends of the earth. That's what I want you to get a hold of, that, that our Lord is much bigger than you think. And so to reduce God to little Sunday school pictures or to reduce God to a denomination, you will miss the very heart of missions for the Spirit is poured out at Pentecost to fulfill the prophecies of old. Joel said it this way, and afterwards I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That took place at Pentecost. And so as God is going to work in all the world, he begins in Jerusalem and he spreads to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And one of those uttermost parts of the world was a place I went to. This is Swatow Baptist Church in Cologne. In the middle of this incredibly, uh, incredibly dense place, there are people—just ordinary Chinese people—working side by side. And here's the pastor of this church, the Swatow Baptist Church. Pastor David is working with a team of people. Who is equipping disciples over there, just like we're doing here at Chesterlin Baptist? As you go into their church, it's very similar as far as the structure, but it's different because one by one people meet. And here you see um, Emerson and Ivy at the beginning, at the front. And what we do is we meet people one on one. And when when these, uh, these you can't see them, there are five students. These two women on the left are mainland Chinese doctoral students who Ivy's meeting with those two. The third one which you can't see, which I'll, uh, I won't mention anything about her except that she's not a believer, but she's been brought into these relationships. And, and the other two gentlemen, on the other side, uh, uh, one is doing comparative law in four countries for human rights. Now, in China, you talk about human rights. Here's a Christian who's going to be on the front-line battles doing his PhD in uh, human rights comparative law. These are the people that uh, Emerson and I are talking to one by one. and They introduced me. And this is a gal who is doing a children's uh, program in the park. It's one by one. The Spirit of God is going to work individually. And I want you to get that. Because God is always going to work through an individual relationship. There was a man sent from God named John. There was a man sitting in a tree. Zacchaeus, get down. God is a God of the individual on a first name basis. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God knows everyone by name, and therefore He walks with, works with everyone on a private level, one by one. That's why discipleship is so important. As you meet with people, this is the church. This is part of the church that the uh, that the American Baptist started. And this is a splinter group that went off, uh, not, not a splinter group, a satellite group that started a drug rehabilitation center. And these women in the back, we went to visit them. They were uh, cocaine, heroin. But the church has sponsored the recovery of, of drugs in the middle of Hong Kong, I think it's there. Let me skip over that one. This is a, a community center where there's food distribution, uh, again, at the Satao Baptist Church, their church is located right across the street from this building. And they have at their first floor a full-blown restaurant in the church. Why? To have people come off the street to eat rest in the restaurant on the ground level. That's a great idea. Maybe we can do that. But... Ivy and Emerson are just barely looking over the wall, but I want you to see on the other side, this church is in the middle of uh, uh, towering skyscrapers. This church is, again, part of a community service center where they're meeting with families. The church is involved in prisons, but they're doing prison work one by one as they reach out. Uh, How does God work in Hong Kong? He works in Hong Kong just like he works in Chesterland one by one, through kids coming together and this was this is where I took Stretch the Rabbit and I did Stretch the Rabbit in Hong Kong. It was a it was quite difficult because it was windy that day and <laughs> I had it cut a couple of times. But they ran up they get candies and but but here's the point. Ivy and, and, and Emerson are working in a place that is so difficult because they are from Taiwan. And in Taiwan, uh, speaking Mandarin, in Hong Kong they speak Cantonese. And so when China's going to come in and overcome, uh, overtake Hong Kong in 28 years, they're trying to get leadership established in the Hong Kong churches. The difficulty is, uh, do, you, do we trust these missionaries. Now here's the difficult thing. There's a church that's above ground that's sanctioned by the government and many of the churches that we're involved with as American Baptists we have uh, uh, good relationships with the above ground church and then there's an underground church. And these two churches God's using both of them in different ways. Um, The difficulty for the woos is just establishing relationships, and I'll tell you, uh, they send their greetings to you, and this morning I will pass on a heartfelt prayer for Emerson and Ivy, is that they want to invest in those student leaders who will be taking over China in the next 25, 28 years. So they are looking and asking for people to support them. It's very difficult for the Wu's. I asked them, I said, has anybody come to visit you? Mm-mm. and the week before I I came they were talking if they were to die in the field and they were to disappear nobody would know I will tell you I had the privilege of being with this brother and sister they would lay down their lives they have nothing more important to do than serve Jesus Christ whom they adore and they adore him they love Christ even now as I think about Him. They sacrifice. These are the men and women that are rare. But these are the men that God has raised up to reach the people to the ends of the earth. We are involved in a great, great ministry. You are involved in no small thing. For the Lord is re- redeeming all the ends of the earth. And as we move into our study this from here on, we're going to be following the, the book of Acts and uh, get, get ready because this is going to be an exciting study. But what I want to leave you with is this God is intimately acquainted with every single individual, every single Chinese, Indian, uh, Filipino, Mexican, and everyone you meet. Have your antenna up because God is at work calling people using you and me. That's incredible. Hard to think about. It's like, really? God could use me to reach people? Yes! Yes, yes, yes. And so as we move into our celebration, not just to celebrate what we're doing, we've we've got 200 years, we want to move way beyond that. So in the days to come, what I would like to do is to enlarge the place of this tent. Enlarge your adoration and your affection for Christ. And therefore, as we move into that, we'll follow the book of Acts in the New Testament. But again, I want you to seek God and say, Lord, open my eyes and let me behold you at work. And with that, let me close and we'll we'll go to the last song. The last song, by the way, is the same song that we sang, but with a different group. But I I just want you to, I want you to hear and absorb what this group is saying. That as you hear each of these singers sing, think each individual person has been filled with the Spirit who's singing this song. As he fills you and me as we witness for Christ.